Welcome to this week's message from Pastor Jeff Spooniebarger at First Baptist Church, Gulf Breeze, located in the heart of Gulf Breeze, Florida. Open your Bibles to Psalm 68. Psalm 68. So it is Christmas time, and... Um, if you listen to the radio and if you watch TV, what you're going to see is this, this constant celebration. In the songs that we sing, in the, the movies that we have, there might be a little sadness somewhere, but it always turns out at the end to where the girl gets the guy, the guy gets the girl, you know, the hometown, the whole Hallmark movie thing. The songs that we sing are celebratory, most of them anyways. It's the most Wonderful time, of, right? Joy to the world, the Lord. I mean, it's this, this, this feeling of happiness and, and good and marvelous. What I want to speak to you today about, though, is on the flip side of that. And the title of today's message is Joy to the Lonely. Because the truth is, as happy as this holiday is, as happy as Christmas is, and, and don't get me wrong, it's a happy holiday. Jesus was born so that he could save the people from, his, from their sins. That's what the name of Jesus means. Our God saves, right? So it is happy, but the reality is for so many people today, these next few weeks, these next several days, are going to be tormentious, tormenting emotionally. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be lonely. It's going to be hard. And so what I want to address today is this. God can bring joy to the lonely. It never ceases to amaze me how every time I'm wavering back and forth whether or not, the, whether or not a message is the right message, how God confirms that. Last night, I sat down on my couch, and as I do a couple times a week, I opened up a website, The Christian Post, and when I did, the, the, the third story on their site as the lead story has this title, has this headline. 31% of Americans experience loneliness daily. One in five practicing Christians say the same. And then if you read it on a little bit further, and I'll post this on our Facebook page uh, after the service, but it says that loneliness is the distress someone feels when their social connections don't meet, meet their need for emotional intimacy. It's lack it's disappointment. It's something we are conscious of even when we don't call it loneliness. Loneliness is a thirst that drives us to seek companionship. Without fellowship, we go on needing others and seeking relief for that need. What I want to say to you today is this. In this room, if this study is, co is correct, one out of every five of us in this moment is lonely. Loneliness is the need for companionship, but it's the unmet need for companionship. What I want to say to you today is this. If you are lonely, you are not weird, you are not strange, you are not awful, there's not anything wrong with you, you're just experiencing a normal human condition. But I want to also say that loneliness can do two things. It'll either drive you to to dig a pit that causes you to be more and more lonely, or it'll cause you to seek out relationships. And it's, and it's really a, tea, a, a, a choice in the road. It's a, it's a right or a left. 
Isn't it amazing how when we are feeling a certain thing, the first thing we do is turn on the radio and we try to listen to songs that, that echo what we're feeling, right? Like if we're lonely, we're going to turn, it's a blue Christmas. I mean, maybe not blue Christmas, but you know what I'm saying? You, if you're, if you're lovesick, you're going to turn on a love song. And it's like, why do we do that? But the truth is, we're going to try to fill that loneliness or we're going to try to amplify that. What I want to say to you today is this, Jesus will give joy to the lonely. One out of five in this room, according to the study, is experiencing loneliness right now. By the way, their definition of of experiencing loneliness is, these are the people who say, on a daily basis, I feel lonely. I want you to know that loneliness, though, is not God's plan for you. It may be a normal part of the human condition, but it's not the end. It's not what God desires for you. What God desires for you and for me is relationship. And we see this in the very beginning of Scripture. In Genesis chapter 2, God said, It is not, let us make a helper for him because it is not good for what? For man to be alone. I believe that's Genesis 2 28. He said, it's not good for man to be alone. So you have this this innate desire, this God-given need for companionship, for relationship, for emotional intimacy. The problem is, all kinds of things can break that intimacy and cause us to feel loneliness. Now hold on with me. I promise you I'm not Dr. Phil, but I want to to make sure that we understand the need and some of the causes so that we can get to the solution, okay? Okay. Here are some of the reasons that we feel lonely. One, we feel lonely because we're suffering with depression. People who deal with depression, one of the telltale signs is they're extremely lonely. I want you to know that most every man or woman of God in Scripture at some point dealt with this very thing. So turn to the person next to you, and I I literally want you to say this. If you've dealt with or are dealing with depression, you are normal. Okay? Now, I'm not saying that that's something that we ought to just be content with, but I'm saying if, if some of the greatest heroes of the faith have dealt with depression in their life, then why would we expect that our life would never have to run across paths with that? I had a conversation with a friend of mine just this past week and then one the week before, godly, godly person wrestling and struggling with depression. Just, and, and the way he describes it is it's this pit that is just black and dark and nothing anybody says and nothing that I do can seem to pull myself out of it. And the one thing that has kept him going, because I asked him, I said, are you considering hurting yourself? I mean, it was a dangerous, dangerous place that it sounded like he was in. He said, no, because I know that God is with me. And I want you to know that God is with you, even in those darkest moments and darkest places. Here's one story in 1 Kings chapter 19. Let me make sure I get that uh, that, uh, place correct. Uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, verse 4. Elijah, you remember this story? He had just had this great um, um, win over the prophets of Baal, and he then runs to this tree, and he plops himself beside, down beside the tree, and he cries out to God, I'm the only one left. It would have been better if I'd have never been born. This was a man who was dealing with depression and a man who was, in, who was feeling isolated and lonely. 
course, what he did was cry out to God. I suspect that you and I, when we get lonely, that's one of the things we do as well. We cry out to God. God happened to answer him, and I want to tell you, God will answer you as well. Sometimes, although he doesn't answer in the way we want to hear it or in the timing we want to hear it. So depression is one of those things that can cause us to be lonely. The death of a loved one, the death of a close friend, a spouse, a confidant, that can cause us to be lonely. I mean, it's only natural to think that if you're with somebody for a certain, number of time, for a certain amount of times and, the, and you have this intimate relationship with them and then they're no longer in your life, it's natural and it's normal for loneliness to set in. One of the greatest ministries that we have is Grief Share. I love this thing because it's a body of people who've experienced grief and they they gather together with total strangers to begin with who become family by the end and they simply say, this is basically the message, you are not alone. We understand, we've been there and what you're feeling is normal. The thing about grief, the thing about loneliness through the death of of, of a family member or someone important to us is that we sometimes feel like we're not supposed to feel this. And I'm going to say that you should feel that way when you lose somebody that you love. But I want you to know, this holiday season, there are people who are dealing with death and loss. And they're going to put on a smile on the outside, but they're going to be desperate on the inside. Maybe you are in that position. Here's another one. Being ostracized, losing your friends. Now, being ostracized is much more active than just losing a friend, but we've all been there, right? Somebody that we've been close to and we're no longer friends with them. There's been a relationship that's been broken. Maybe there's been something said or done or whatever, and that friendship has been torn apart. When you lose somebody that's that close to you, loneliness is the result most often. In the Bible, in John chapter 4, there's a story of a woman who was ostracized by her community. She was, we know that she was ostracized because the Bible tells us in John 4 that she came to the well to get water in the middle of the day. You'd never go in the middle of the day because, number one, it was hot, and number two, there would have been nobody there, which is exactly why she went there. She had a seedy past, and her seedy past meant that the community had words about her, and she was most certainly lonely. But I want you to know in that story, Jesus shows up, begins to speak to the woman, and actually gives her a reason to no longer be lonely. I don't want to over-spiritualize this or, or over, excuse me, oversimplify it, but the truth is, in every one of these situations, running to God is the answer. But there's a little caveat that we'll get to in a minute. There's another man named Zacchaeus. He happened to be a wee little man. Maybe not that little. You know, he was, the Bible says that Zacchaeus was a tax collector. You have to believe that tax collectors were lonely people. Why? Because Zacchaeus was a Jew working for the enemy, the Romans. And so he was collecting money from his own people and giving part of it to the Romans, keeping part of it for himself. He was the scum of the earth to his people. And so he no doubt would have been a very lonely person. Multiple reasons for being lonely. Sometimes it's not me, it's you. I mean, let's just be honest. Sometimes it's hard to be friends with some people, right? Now look, I'm not saying this is the case, but when we're lonely, we ought to at least examine all the options. Sometimes 
you're just hard to get along with, and it's hard to be friends with you. I'm not saying you individual. I'm saying that's the reality. Sometimes people are difficult to be friends with, and so there's something going on that that if this is you, you have to start looking in the mirror and saying, you know what, these are some things I need to deal with. Maybe you're always angry. Maybe you're always complaining. Maybe you're always um, ultra needy. Maybe you're always uh, uh, taking, 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 and not giving. Listen, again, this sounds harsh, but the truth is, People try to be friends only for so long before they eventually go, you know what, this relationship is way too difficult. Can I get a witness? If that's the case in your life, here's what you need to do. You need to look in the mirror and say, it's time to make some changes. Jesus can't help you with that. This is on you. No, I'm just kidding. The, the truth is, you just need to start looking at those things, and what I think you'll find is that God, really, Jesus really will, if you'll ask him, he will begin to show you those things, and he'll probably send somebody into your life to help sharpen you, or sharpen the things that need to be sharpened, and cut off the edges that need to be cut off. Sometimes just little changes can help in not being lonely, because loneliness is a result of not having any real connections with people. Here's one, one other one I'll give you. Sin. Sometimes sin causes us to be lonely. And I didn't say this earlier, but loneliness can be physical, it can be emotional, and it can be spiritual. Sometimes we are lonely because we have sin in our life that has caused a separation from God. And that separation, if you're born again, it doesn't mean that God cancels you as a child, but what it does mean is that there's, a, there's something in that relationship that's building up. There's that wall, there's that enmity, if you will, and the way that you deal with that is to come before God and say, God, forgive me. This is in my life. I ask your forgiveness. And what I do know is this. The Bible tells us in James chapter 4, draw near to God and he will do what? He will draw near to you. We draw near to God and God will draw near to us, but notice it's us drawing near to God. But I have to tell you that every time I've ever experienced this, God was always right there. So we know that there are multiple other reasons for loneliness, right? Those were just a few of them. If one of those is the reasons that you're feeling lonely or that you're experiencing loneliness, take, which one the, take, take what it is and, and look it straight in the eyes and say, okay, I'm going to deal with this. But here's the thing. What I want you to hear today is twofold. Number one, God intends to be a father to the fatherless, and he intends and desires and even works towards setting the lonely into families. Psalm 68. This is such a beautiful passage. Psalm 68, starting in verse 5, says this. God in his holy dwelling is a father to the fatherless and a champion of widows. God provides homes for those who are deserted. That word deserted could also be translated lonely. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious live in a scorched land. Let me read that again. God in His holy dwelling is... So God... In all of his might and in all of his glory and in all of his power and in all of his goodness, in all of who he is, he is a father to the fatherless. 
That, that, that line alone is just breathtaking to me. So many people don't have a father. They might have a, a person that acts or that, that carries the title father, but they haven't actually had a father do what fathers should do. One of the, one of the, 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 the scourges of our society is how many men and women grow up not having a solid, intimate relationship with their father. But I want you to know that God says that He is a father to the fatherless. Now you say, well, yeah, but that's not the same. Because God is way up there, or, I mean, that's really what we say. He's really, he, he's, he's infinite, so he's, he's here, but He's not like flesh and blood, right? But here's what God does. Here's the second part that I want you to see. God gives family, gives the lo- sets the lonely into families. He, he's a father to the fatherless, but the way he does that is through the people of God. You are Jesus with skin on. You, we, the people of God, are the ones who carry out the purpose and the plan of God for being a father to the fatherless and for setting homes or providing homes for those who are deserted. What more perfect picture can we show than in Mayfield, Kentucky? You, we are sending supplies to meet the needs that they have. That is God meeting the needs of a desperate people. And here's the best part. As we do it, we receive the joy of doing it. They receive the blessing of of, of having their needs met, and God gets all the glory. It's perfect. It's marvelous, but that's the way the kingdom of God works. So God is a father to the fatherless, and he is a champion. I love this part. He's a champion of widows. God help anyone who treats a widow with, with, um, improperly. They may not receive the justice on earth, but I promise you, you deal with a widow improperly, you, you abuse them in some way, you will one day face the God of all creation and he will, he will square up with you and you will have to answer for what you've done. Why? Because the Bible says that God deals and cares for the widows and the orphans. He is always for the underdog. He is always for the desperate. He is always for the prisoner. He is always for the broken. That's why as the people of God, we've got to make sure that the way we see the world is the way He sees the world, right? That's, that's why we've got to make sure that the way we talk about the rest of the world is a way that is honoring to Christ Jesus. And I get it. It's hard to sometimes talk kindly and graciously to a world that seems to be whacked out and crazy. But the truth is, even the most evil person on the planet was created by God and is still loved by God. And all we have to do is really look in the mirror And remember where we came from to remember that God's grace to us is undeserved and unmerited and therefore we can easily give grace to others, or not necessarily easily, but we can willfully give grace to others because that's what was given to us. He is a champion to the widows. He's a father to the fatherless. God provides homes for those who were lonely. I believe that this is an explanation of God's plan from the very beginning. When God created Adam, he said to Adam, Adam, it's not good for you to be alone, so I'm going to make you a helper. What did he do? He built or he created a family. 
That's why we talk about the church as the family of God. Here's the best part about a family. I don't know a single family that's perfect. Every family has the crazy uncle. If you don't know which crazy uncle is in your family, you are the crazy uncle, right? Every family has some people who are a little eccentric, or they have, a little, have some people who have some irritating habits or whatever. The really cool thing about a family, though, is even the weirdos in the family have something to offer the family. You ever notice that? How sometimes the outcast, if you'll really pay attention, if you'll not despise them, but if you'll actually listen and, and give them some time, they have something to offer that you go, wow, you are a pretty amazing person. In the family of God, it's the same exact way. I want you to look around. You know what I love about this group? We're not all the same color. We're not all the same age. We're not all the, all the same giftedness. We're not all the same anything. We got big, little, short, wide, all of those things. And the reason for that is together we make a complete, diverse, beautiful family. And God built us that way. He built us that way because His desire is that our blind spots are softened or rather exposed to the point of those blind spots being able to be clear through the love and the encouragement and the knowing of someone else. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another, right? So God's plan is for the lonely to be set into families. Here's how he does it. Turn now, if you will, to Romans chapter 15. This is where we're going to park. Romans chapter 15. You know, I, I told you, uh, I think last week or the week before, that sometimes I feel like I don't remember what I've preached because all of it seems to be melding together. It's like, it, it, it's like this one never-ending sermon. <laughs> Y'all are like, yeah, you tell me. I have to sit here, right? But, but, it, but what I'm saying is, it's like this, this motif of encouragement and grace and kindness and goodness and the gospel. It, it, it's not like we can pick these things apart and separate them. It's all one big batch of gospel, if that makes sense. Like, you can't take kindness out of the gospel. You can't take mercy out of the gospel. You can't take uh, the Trinity out of the gospel. I mean, all of these things are together, and so it feels like every single Sunday I'm going, wait, did I say that already? And if I said it already, do they want to hear it again? Listen, the gospel is so very simple. We need a Savior. God sent a Savior. He died so that we can live he rose again so that we could know that we will live again and we will actually live now for the Son has come to give life and, have given, and to give it most abundantly, right? He's come to set us free. All of these things are part of the gospel. But the gospel also is, part of the gospel is you and me being there for each other, not just each other, but even outside of the body. Because sometimes... It's that moment when you recognize the lonely that they find the goodness and the grace of God. Here's what the Scripture says in Romans 15. Now, we who are strong have an obligation to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not to please ourselves. Each one of us must please his neighbor for his good to build him up. 
For even the Messiah did not please Himself. On the contrary, as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the Scriptures. Now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement allow you to live in harmony with one another according to the command of Christ Jesus so that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with a united mind and voice. Therefore, Accept one another just as the Messiah also accepted you to the glory of God. Verse 13, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and all peace as you believe in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Verse 1 says this, now you who, we who are strong have an obligation to bear the weaknesses of those without strength and not please ourselves. I went back and I looked up that word obligation. You might have uh, a different word in the NIV. If you have an NIV, what's that word for obligation? What word do you have? Your responsibility? Is that what it is? So the word obligation is more appropriate than the word responsibility. The literal meaning of this verse is this. You and I don't have the option. We don't have the liberty. We have an obligation. The word obligation means you are required by God. So what is our obligation? We have an obligation to bear the weaknesses of those without strength. If we, if we take that for what it really means, if we believe that God means it's an obligation for believers to bear the weakness of those who are not strong, that we have to understand the converse of that or the inverse of that, which is what? If we don't bear the weakness of those who are without strength, we are rebelling against the heart of God. Ew. What that means is, in our daily life, we're going to find people who are lonely. We're going to find people who are without strength. We're going to find people who are struggling and who are suffering. And the very next verse says this, we're not to please ourselves. No, we're going to please others. That word please doesn't mean, I'm just going to do whatever you want. It's this idea of we're not going to be selfish in our own little world to where everything is about us. We're going to be living outwardly, not inwardly. It's the idea of self-sacrifice. It's the idea of, of giving of ourselves, being inconvenienced so that we can meet the need of somebody else who is in a dire condition or who is in a weak condition. Read that again. We have an obligation to God or from God to bear the burdens of those who are weak. How do you bear a burden that you don't see? How do you bear a burden if you're so focused on yourself? How do you bear a burden if you have no other strength to give? This is why having margin in our life is so important. This is why having the, the, the space to be able to notice when somebody is in need and then having the... the the wisdom and the courage to put something that we want to do aside so that we can be there for someone else. Listen, 
That doesn't mean you're going to solve everybody's problems. That doesn't mean that you're the hero in every story. It doesn't mean that you're always going to be there. There are times when you have to say no. So take this reasonably, right? But by and large, God is going to put people in your life and in my life who it's this glaring sign that he is saying, this person needs me and you're the one I've given to them to show them me. I have a, 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 a neighbor and he has a little uh, motorcycle. It's an electric motorcycle. And the other day, it was, on, it was last Saturday, we were doing the parade and so um, I, was, I was packing my truck to try to get up here to get some stuff uh, so we could load the trailer and get over to get this reverse parade going. I get out to my truck, and this kid pulls up on his little electric motorcycle. And I'm like, ah. Oh. And it wasn't, ah, oh, that I don't want to talk to you. It's the, ah, oh, I can't talk now. And I found myself like, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I left. And then I drove back because I forgot something. And, and the moment I turned the corner, he was like, me. I mean, he was following me, and I'm like, oh, I don't have time for this now. And I got out of my truck, and I heard God say so very clearly, the little ones are important to me. And it was God speaking, reminding me that he puts us in neighborhoods with neighbors who are weak, who are without strength. And it is way inconvenient sometimes to have to talk to some of your neighbors. It is way inconvenience sometimes to want to go to the store because you've got things to cook and you've got things to do, but your neighbor steps out and wants to talk. It is way inconvenient to not do your plans because God has another plan. But here's what the Bible says. We have an obligation. And you know the truth is, most of the time, whatever it is we're going to do anyways really can wait, and most of the time, whatever we're going to do anyways doesn't even compare to the, to the enjoyment of knowing that we have been with somebody who is in need. And so what was, what was neat, thankfully I listened, I told this little kid, I mean, he's just like this, little, this big, right? I told him, I said, listen, I've got an appointment that I have to go to, but tomorrow we will come back and we'll be a biker gang, And so the next day, Joshua got on his motorcycle, and I got on mine, and we rode up to his house. Hey, you want to ride? He's like, yeah. So all three of us rode through the neighborhood on our motorcycles. It was the funnest thing ever. It was so cool. But it just reminded me, God places us in these positions, and he I think he does it sometimes just to remind us that we're not to live to please ourselves. Believe me, there are some times I have to come in the back way because now whenever my truck turns the corner, beeline to my house. But you know what? I figure that this little boy needs to know Jesus. And I figure that maybe through being a biker gang with the four-year-old, five Maybe he'll know Jesus one day. And whatever it is that would have cost me to do that would be worth every single second. Don't you think? You have a little kid with a motorcycle in your block. You do. You may have seen him. Maybe you haven't recognized him yet. Okay, maybe they don't have a little motorcycle, but you know what I'm talking about, right? It might be the annoying, it might be the annoying neighbor 
who never stops asking you stuff. Or maybe it's the one who just looks at you and stares at you. Take those opportunities as an obligation to bear the weakness of those without strength and not please ourselves. Each one of us must please his neighbor for his good to build them up. Here's why. Because even the Messiah did not please himself. On the contrary, it is written, the insults of those who insulted you, this is Jesus, has fallen upon me. So Jesus gave us the model of what it means to deny our own desires, to interrupt our schedule, to be a family to the lonely. By the way, I meant to mention this early, but you know that Jesus was lonely, right? When he was on the cross, he cried out these words, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If anybody understands loneliness, it's Jesus. You remember when Jesus was in the garden? He told three of his disciples, hey, stay here and pray. I'm going to go a little farther, and I'm going to pray because I'm facing the most difficult, disastrous time of my life. He went and he prayed, and the Bible says that as he prayed, it was like uh, his sweat was like drops of blood. This was an emotional intensity like you've never experienced before unless you've been through massive trauma and trial. He gets up from praying, and he comes back to just check on his disciples, and they're sound asleep. You want to talk about feeling alone. You ever felt that way in church? It's possible. He wakes him up and he says, hey, pray with me, pray with me. He goes back and prays and he comes back and his disciples are asleep. He does that three times and the third time he's like, I'll just stay asleep, right? Jesus was incredibly alone in that moment. And what did he do? He cried out to the Father. I want to say to you, That loneliness is a reality for people all throughout our life. In our social networks, just mark it down, according to the study, 31% of our friends are lonely. And if those friends happen to be connected to a local church, one out of every five is experiencing lonely. By the way, if you read the article, I think 60% or 40% of the people who say, yes, I feel lonely... It is an intense loneliness. It's not just, I kind of feel lonely. It's, I feel desperate. I feel intensely alone. But the Bible tells us that we are to bear with one another. And then in verse uh, 4, for whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction So we have a model, we understand why to do this, so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the Scriptures. Now may God, who gives endurance and encouragement, allow you to live in harmony with one another. Why? Because in doing that, you will glorify God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and be united in mind and voice. Here's what verse 13 says, and we'll close with this. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy. And may the God of hope fill you with all joy. Joy to the lonely. The God of hope will fill you with joy when you are the person who bears the weakness of someone else and when God uses someone else to bear your weakness. It works both ways.
doesn't it? To fill you with joy and peace as you believe in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You see how all of these things we've talked about today, we've talked about over the last several weeks, it all works together. What God is doing in us as his people is he is maturing us and building us up. He is helping us to endure trials and discouragement and all of the things that we face so that we will be mature and complete, not lacking anything as his people. He's preparing us for the days ahead. So in this room, are you lonely? you got to forgive me. In my head, I just sang, Are you lonely tonight? But it's true. Are you the lonely one in this room? First, try to discover why you're lonely. Because those, those reasons for being lonely, even though all of them, ultimately the gospel is the answer for it, the way you get to that is different. If it's depression, seriously, maybe medicine is what you need to do. Seeing your doctor, because depression so many times is a physiological issue. Sometimes you've got some things that you can't just fix. Listen, I believe in the authority and the power of God's Word as much if not more than anyone else in this room. But sometimes reading the Bible just isn't enough to fix the chemical imbalances in our head. Sometimes God works through the Scripture to help us see that we need some physical help, right? You hear what I'm saying? So if that's the case, find the help. And in that, in that same path, you can't and shouldn't do it alone. See, the thing about being lonely is it's a spiral. It's a drain. Once you start going down that drain, you just keep going faster and faster and faster down the drain. And it, and, and it, and it kind of multiplies upon itself. At some point, you've got to stop that crazy cycle. Oftentimes, it's another person who steps in and says, hey, I'm here. I'm listening. When that happens, if you are the person going down that, that, that drain, you have to stop and receive the help. Because oftentimes we turn, turn away the very people who are trying to help rescue us, right? In the same vein, if you're the one who's, who's, who God has sent to rescue, don't give up just because they say, I don't want help. Y'all see how complicated this is? Can anybody testify how complicated this is? It's this difficult, difficult thing, but what we know is God is the father to the fatherless, and he sets the lonely into families, and the way he does it is through you and me, for you and me, for his own glory. So if you're lonely, discover why you're lonely if you can, and then allow the people who are reaching out to reach out. Another thing that, that, that's frustrating when you're trying to help people is that you can tell them, hey, I'm here. No, you're not. No, literally, I'm right here. No, you're not. No, I'm, I'm like literally right. And, it, and it's this, y'all know what I'm talking about? It's this frustrating thing. Eventually, those people 
will say, well, I guess they don't want me there. So if you're in need, you've got to let somebody else help you. At the same time, if you're the one offering help, you've got to pursue. But you've got to pursue on their terms, not on your terms. The Bible tells us that we look after not only our own need, but the need of others. And then we skipped it, but in verse uh, 7, Therefore accept one another just as the Messiah accepted you to the glory of God. You've got to, you've got to, you've got to deal with people where they are, not where you want them to be or expect them to be. One of the things that I had to get over when I was learning how to help people is I had to realize that I couldn't help everybody. I couldn't be everybody's hero. I also had to realize that I couldn't help somebody who didn't want help. And I also had to realize that it wasn't about me helping. It was about them. So if I was rejected, I couldn't get my feelings hurt and I couldn't be upset because they didn't accept what I wanted to have. You see what I'm saying? There had to be this maturity and wisdom in me in order for me to be a good helper for people who are in need. But I got news for you. There are many in this room who are the helper right now. You, at some point, very well might be the one who is in the other side. Amen? Never say to yourself, I'm good, I'm mature, I'm wise. Because all it takes is one moment, one tragedy, one relationship, one something for you to now be the person who's lonely, depressed, broken, desperate, and needy. There's a common saying among preachers, preach the gospel, but in the process, preach the gospel to yourself as well. See, preachers are really bad about preaching grace, but not giving themselves their own grace. I have a friend who was a, uh, a professor of mine in seminary, I mean, Dr. Gibson. I, I, I told you about this when it happened several years ago, but he got caught up in the Ashley Madison thing. He lived for he lived a quiet life that was, that was it, it was sin that had just trapped him, and he was unable to, to, to get out of it, but because of his position at seminary, he couldn't talk about it. And when there was that leak in the Ashley Madison thing, he never did anything, but he had an account. Just he was, he was flirting with it, essentially. When the news came out that the Ashley Madison thing was about to be exposed and the list of people who had signed up for an account we're, we're going to be out in the open. He went into his house and he took his own life there on the seminary campus. And the thing that, that, that we all learned, everybody who knew him learned from that was this. He was the kindest, most gracious, mo- most, most gentle, um, compassionate man. We learned pastoral ministry from him. Like he was the mentor. He was the model. And yet he couldn't receive the grace that he taught us to give. He could not receive it himself. Saying that, I'm telling you, be careful because when you get over on this side, you have to then live what you've been trying to give. So we take a moment just now. Will you ask yourself, are you in that position of loneliness? If you are, Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. The Bible says it's by grace that you're saved through faith, not of works. You can't earn God's favor. 
The Bible also says that the wages of sin is death. That means separation from God. You cannot be right with God unless your sin is dealt with. But Jesus dealt with that sin on a cross nearly 2,000 years ago. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Jesus Christ shed His blood on a cross so that you and I could be made right with God. He was the substitute for you paying for your own sin. But that is only realized in your life if you trust Him. You may not fully understand that story. You might have some questions. But right now, if you're sensing something strange, you're sensing this, this pull or this draw to this story, that's God's Spirit drawing you to Himself. It's God saying, I love you and I know your name. And I want you to be my child. I want you in my family. So right where you are, I want to invite you to trust in Jesus. If you're watching by way of TV, if you're watching by way of Facebook, you know, it's not the words that we say, it's the attitude of our heart. But if the attitude of your heart is this, God, I recognize that I'm a sinner and I recognize that I'm separated from you. I want to give you my life. I trust you. I know that Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. I ask you to save me. I surrender. I surrender. If that's you today and that's, that prayer expresses the desire of your heart, I want to invite you to trust in Christ even now. This morning, if there's something else that God has dealt with you with, I want to, I want to invite you to respond to that. Let's stand together. I'll be here at the front. If you want somebody to pray with you, if God has spoken to you and you just want to come and kneel and pray, maybe right where you are, if you want to sit, stand, kneel, whatever, I just want to invite you to respond over these next few closing moments to what God has said to you. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about First Baptist Church Gulf Breeze at fbcgulfbreeze.org.